Greetings, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore and a warm welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 37, part two. In part one on Monday, we had the absolute pleasure of chatting with Lara Hopkins, head of our Melbourne studio, where she tackled our signature 13-question grilling, also known as the Framestore podcast dailies. Today, we switch things up as we pass the mic to our guest co-host for the week, Kathleen Ruffalo, Recruitment Manager, Framestore USA. So let's not keep you waiting any longer. Sit back, relax and enjoy episode 37, part two of the Framestore podcast with Lara Hopkins. Welcome back to the podcast, the second instalment of our conversation with Lara Hopkins. This is where we seamlessly hand over to this week's guest co-host, Kathleen Ruffalo, Recruitment Manager for Framestore USA, based in Texas, who will continue the interview where we left off. So Kathleen, it's very much over to you. Thank you very much, Simon. So Lara, I think we touched on some of these topics in our earlier conversation, but I am going to go through um, some of these questions I've prepared as I think there's some more delving in we might be able to do on some of the issues. Um, The first one I'm going to hit you with is kind of a very uh, relevant topic of the moment. So as I think you kind of alluded to in some of your responses previously, that we are currently experiencing a bit of a challenging time in the visual effects and entertainment industries, both with the ongoing impacts of schedule delays due to the strikes, as well as lots of talks of technology advancements making roles obsolete. So given your tenure in the industry, I'm sure this is not the first time that you've had this kind of moments of vulnerability in the industry and in your own career. So how do you cope and what do you suggest others consider to help themselves navigate during these times where they might be feeling the brunt of these setbacks and threats? Yeah, it's a very good question, Kathleen, and something that we all um, understand very well over the last sort of five or six years in terms of dealing with COVID and then and then having the strikes at the tail end of that, which has just been incredibly disruptive for us all. Uh, It goes back to my original uh, comments around cycles and there's no doubt that there's been difficult times in the past and we've seen a lot of shifts in terms of industries um, having to adapt and change and companies unfortunately maybe not able to continue other companies uh, riding the storm and getting through um, and being able to build up again. I think for artists um, and producers and everybody in the industry, just keeping in mind that things are cycles, so things will look up again is is true. At the same time, um, I think particularly in terms of AI development, there's no doubt that I think that's probably the next challenge for our industry is how how will artist roles change uh, as AI technology comes into our pipeline? I don't think there's any avoiding it that it will because I think any efficiencies that will can be introduced will be needed and demanded of by, by our clients. So it's really as an artist around being mindful and open to um watching what is happening with this technology and educating themselves around the direction that this might be in and being prepared to adapt and change um, your role and 
your direction according to what the likely outcome of these technological advancements might be. So being nimble and able to adapt, I think, is a really big part of it. In terms of maybe like more, you know, help me fill up my spare time moments, are there any kind of skills or suggestions for resources that you might be able to provide for people that are kind of in between jobs at the moment that might help them be relevant when things start to pick back up? Well, the internet is your friend. So I just think that researching everything that you can read around the development in the industry and keeping in touch with all of the various companies in terms of following them on LinkedIn and and following anything that they write or talk about and being also educated outside of our industry in terms of technological developments in other industries that may clearly form a line into how our industry will be impacted is important. Um, it's important to sort of stick your head up out of the detail of sometimes that you can be in in VFX and look around you at, at, at more general trends in terms of um, the streaming services and how are people watching films, uh, what is going on more broadly in the industry so that you feel a little bit more armed, what's going on in advertising, how are people spending their, their marketing dollars these days. You know, we all know that the days of big, massive, huge TV commercials are, are probably fewer there than they were, say, 10 or 15 years ago. So people working in advertising have had to sort of adapt and change to that as well. So um, I, I that would be my main advice is just to to just be aware more broadly speaking in the world about what's going on so that you can be a little bit more prepared about what might happen to you in your career. That kind of segues into my next question quite nicely, Lara. So the the thought I was kind of considering was how there's a lot of talks just in the, the trades, if you will, about there being maybe a change in audience's tastes in the type of content they're consuming and maybe a less a lower desire for very heavy visual effects types of films with a lot of talk of like Marvel fatigue and superhero fatigue. How do you see the landscape of visual effects content evolving and how do you hope Framestore will be a part of aligning that direction? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question and I don't want to think, I don't think I'm the expert on this, but I can certainly give you my gut feeling around that. Your point I still of view think is, that when, yeah. when, it, when it comes down to it, people want good stories and they want to care about the characters. So whether that's embedded within a massive VFX shot or in a very, very light on subtle VFX shot, it's all about caring about the characters and caring about the stories. And I do actually believe that in some films that have happened to be very heavy in visual effects, we've forgotten that sometimes that, you know, yes, it's great to see a huge destruction shot with, you know, buildings falling over and massive fireballs and all the kind of things that we love to work on and visual effects artists are so amazing at doing. But if we don't care about what's happening in, to the people in that shot or to the characters, it's kind of meaningless. And you can kind of think back over the last few years around the films and episodic, all the content that people have really really genuinely loved and helped them get through things like the pandemic. And it generally is things like Ted Lasso, where you really love the characters. And that, in that sense, that's also why I think Paddington has this everlasting appeal, because it's got so much heart and, and some kindness around it as well. 
And then there are things like The Last of Us, which, you know, has amazing visual effects work, absolutely been the favourite thing that I've seen over the last year. Big visual effects work, but when it comes down to it, it's the story about um, the relationship between the two main characters and the and how their relationship unfolds that is the main driving force behind that and the visual effects supports that. So I do think that that we will be going back to telling more simple stories about the about the human nature and and that will um, and that visual effects will always be part of that but it shouldn't be the main thing about the shot. Yeah. It should be supporting it. In terms of frame store this is why I think that frame store this is where frame store excels. It's creating the human out of the digital, like it's creating characters that we just love and we totally forget that are digital, that are, are not real. And that's why I think Frame Store's, you know, got such a, so many more stories to tell because I think our teams just know how to do that so well. The quality of the animation at Frame Store, I believe, is, is, is the best in the world, genuinely. And our creatures and characters are so believable and so have so much heart and soul to them. And that's where I think Framestore will continue to just give us those things that make us feel good on the inside. I agree 100%. Um, so maybe now to talk a bit more about you personally, I'm curious to hear what you're most excited about for being a part of the Framestore Melbourne office and what's to come there. Look, the team have been incredibly welcoming and there's some absolutely fantastic talent there. Um, it's really unusual for me to go into a fully formed studio because in my past I've usually been one of the first people on the ground or early days where I've built up something from zero to, you know, uh, many hundreds of people. Whereas in this case, I'm walking into a studio that's already there. So I'm spending my time trying to get to know people and get to understand what everybody there is keen on doing in the future. And for me, the thing that I'm very excited about is continuing to work with the Melbourne studio to integrate them into the frame store um, network of studios and the thing that I'm I love the most is that it, there's so many parallels there between the culture and the values of the Melbourne studio and the way frame store is globally as well one of them is that the tenure of people there is very long people have worked together for very long and that's exactly the same as at frame store globally people generally come and stay for a long time and they know each other really well so I think in that sense you get a very similar feel of being in the Melbourne studio and then on top of that it's it's being able to to well we're just about to finish our first project Furiosa on the Framestore pipeline and that is a really big huge undertaking for a studio that had a fantastic pipeline that they'd worked on for years and years to 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 leave that and move on to a completely new pipeline which of course is you know has its challenges there's no pipeline that's perfect there's things that they miss um, but watching the team adapt and change and take on this to enable them to work within the Framestore network and then receive the benefits of being in the global the global team so we can share our work and we can work on some amazing projects alongside our, our other studios. That, that's going to be very exciting. And then I'm also extremely 
um, excited to see what our Frame Store Melbourne team can contribute to the rest of the studios because they all have such great experience. So, for example, our pipeline team are part of the global pipeline team now, and a lot of the work they're doing is suggesting um, ways that we can bring in some of the fantastic Melbourne pipeline into uh, the Framestore Global Pipeline because they have some great ideas. And, and because Framestore is the culture that it is, people are listening and excited about the kind of contributions that they're making. And that, for me, is really important. Um, it's not that one studio has sort of been sort of gobbled up by a big network. It's that we are standing firm on, on the shoulders of people that have worked for a really long time in the industry and have some great ideas and can contribute to, you know, all of the kind of approaches and production methodologies and tools to help all of the frame store offices work um, better. So, you know, that that's really important for me too, to keep championing the, the Melbourne studio and helping them feel part of the global network. Yeah. And I always thought that was one of the best parts about Framestore is how globally connected we are. Yeah. And you do really feel that, you know, there is no distinction, there's no silos amongst our global work, even though we're so far apart, you still know that everyone can kind of convene and collaborate and you know, I'm really excited that you're the person kind of helping to spearhead that with the Melbourne location. But on that note, you know, I, I obviously know you best from your previous positions. So I'm just curious if there's anything that you miss about recruiting or even producing from your time before you moved into recruitment. And you've kind of touched on this in some of your answers before, but kind of curious to hear your thoughts about what skills you took from those roles into your position now as head of studio? I've, do, I've never been in a role where I've been able to lean more on my past experiences than this role. The producing side of it, it's been a long time since I've produced, but it means in those project update meetings, I've, uh, you know, I, I've got a pretty good instinct around um, the projects and can sort of listen to the producers and understand where they're at and I'm developing um, even more of an instinct around some of the road bumps that we might have coming up but I think I speak their language and I'm really enjoying that this is the first time in a long time where I've been much more in touch with the day-to-day -day of what's going on on the projects mm -hmm. and I'm absolutely loving that it, it sort of I had missed my producer role it is something that I loved back in the day and now I'm back I feel more in tune with it now than I ever have before and it's just absolutely amazing and I'm in, I'm full of admiration and respect for our producers they they take on so much more than I ever did when I was a producer but I'm hoping that those sort of instincts around making decisions and generally having an instinct around where our problems are what do we need to focus on will, will help me in my role and the recruitment side of things, as I said, it's all about the team. It's all about having the best combination of people. It's all about finding the people that have potential and helping them guide them and, and, and push them into roles that might be outside of their comfort zone. And the most amazing thing about coming into the Melbourne studio is getting to know everybody and seeing that. Like It's almost like I'm... I'm I'm not recruiting them, but I'm speaking to people as if I'm in an interview so that I can actually figure out for myself how I can help the leaders there keep sort of nurturing those careers and keep giving people feedback and keep sort of en enabling people to feel that they have a long-term career and that they can, you know, flourish within the studio. And, and that's that's just so much fun. So, yeah, no, it's it's everything I've done has led to this role. 
it's yeah it's great I'm very happy and it sounds like you don't have to miss anything because it all <laughs> seems to be pieces and you know bringing it all together <laughs> it's all together yeah and I love the technology side as well because the technology side has always been such an important part of visual effects and the technology team in Melbourne is fantastic. So sort of knowing that our pipeline team is is in the global network and contributing to, to the overall team and, and um, you know, because a big part of my role, it, it's, it's, it's everything in the studio and it, all parts of it are sort of touched. So it's, yeah, I'm loving it. It's great. So just to kind of segue into a lot of the work that you've done in recruitment and always having been a champion for promoting diversity and inclusion and equity within the visual effects industry, obviously our shared uh, connection with our efforts with Access VFX. So how do you hope to continue to support this mission, both in the makeup of the talent at Framestore, as well as the stories we help bring to life? So you're probably not surprised that one of the first things I did when I got there was go through the data and look at the stats of our diversity in the office institute in this in Melbourne. And um, you know, I just spent the last five years with a huge focus of that at ILM, and would really uh, move the needle, particularly in terms of um, just the gender balance. I mean, it's not it's a small it's a part of the diversity piece. It's not everything, but it's a good place to start. So uh, there's no doubt that we've got some room for improvement in Melbourne. The the gender uh, disparity is real. And we also have a lack of female leaders um, in in supervisory roles, which is something that still uh, I grapple with. Um, This is, you know, globally in the VFX industry, the fact that when you look at our list of supervisors that women are so far and few between is something that I think is is uh, I've still got time left in my career to see that change. I, I won't let that go. I don't understand why it is that we see a sea of predominantly white male faces in supervisory roles. It's something that I really feel that the industry needs to become a bit more serious about. Um, so I do feel that um, I'm really excited about the opportunity to to try and keep addressing that within the Melbourne studio. I will hope to start more conversations with our women. Um, We've got International Women's Day coming up. I'm trying to plan some things around that. We've just launched our first Launchpad internship. Of course, um, I do think that bringing in our juniors and really focusing on that gender balance and continuously reminding people of opportunities that we have to to try and address this balance is, I think, a big part of it because I need to get the leaders in the studio to share my vision on that front. So we've got some work to do, but, you know, I think as as with every role, it's, it's small wins. I'll take them and uh, I'm looking towards the future to try and sort of help not only bring in more juniors with more diversity, but also try and enable the women to see their longer-term goals realised in terms of supervisory positions as well. It's really important. Yeah. Um, in terms of telling the stories, I don't know that I have much impact on scripts. I'd like to say I do. <laughs> I think my main focus really has to be on the diversity of the of the talent telling the stories, and uh, and the stories will hopefully be you know affected in a good way from that. Yeah, it's such a gigantic concept. This motivation to you know really help change what's a systemic problem, and I. Absolutely agree. It's that kind of small bites out of this big problem. You know, we got to take the wins that we can get on a gradual increase, you know, over time. And I 
am optimistic that that's going to continue to evolve and it's not trying to solve the problem immediately. Cause I think so many people get frustrated because they want this like easy solution. That's just going to be this one fix it all. But you know, it's, it's really, it's those steps that lead to the, you know, achievement down the, the road that we really kind of have to maintain. So I love that approach that you're taking on that note. I'm curious what your thoughts are about people being natural born leaders, or do you think that that's a skill that people can develop and learn? Cause I personally feel like you've always had this leadership quality to you. And I don't know if that's something you feel you've always had throughout your, your youth and it kind of naturally evolved as you expanded in your career, or do you think it's really something that people can kind of nurture and develop over time? So there's a, I get teased quite a lot my, by my parents because in my grade one a report card, um, the teachers said that I was bossy. <laughs> and <laughs> I think um, I think that that is a very interesting insight into how women are seen or little girls are seen if they show leadership qualities because I have a slight suspicion that if my gender was male, that comment may not have been made and I'll take it as a badge of honour. Um, look, I do think that there are people that have a natural instinct for leadership for sure, um, but I also think that it's something that can be learned. But if you are learning it, you have to come at it with a very open mind, some humility and some genuine interest in in people and seeing people grow. It's not an ego thing. It's not about who's the smartest in the room. It's not about your ideas being the best. It's actually about listening to other people's ideas and and helping them sort of achieve their goals and helping them contribute. So I do think that, you know, the basic um, trust and enjoyment of working with people is at the heart of any good leader. And if 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 that's not part of your personality, um, you're probably not well suited to be a leader. And so I do think it can be learned, but you, you have to have that interest and ability to put your ego aside if, if you want to be a, lead, a leader. Yeah, no, I love that. Honestly, because I think that's probably a quality people perhaps take for granted in what makes a better leader or, you know, a more effective leader is actually having the ability to empower others and listen to the other people in the room. So, yeah, thank you for that. Um, So a couple more questions, and I I hope there may be a little bit more fun. Um, So I'm just curious to hear what you consider the worst career advice that you've ever been given. That's a really interesting question because when I think back over my career and all its sort of turns and and changes, I don't think I've ever had any career advice. (laughs) I feel like I'm usually the one giving other people career advice. So my career is sort of bumbled on, you know, on its own. I do think, though, that when you become part-time and when you focus in on something like recruitment, which as we've talked about is often seen as an administration job as opposed to something that's more complex. And uh, I do think people can see you in a different light. And I guess um, from my point of view, I was incredibly sort of humbled and and really sort of thrilled, I guess, Kathleen, uh, when you talked before about uh, the fact that you felt that as a recruiter, I was still able to get my opinions heard and 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 help to make decisions made. So I think to sort of flip it around a bit, what I would like to say is I just hope that people realise that if you do decide to navigate your career by going in a 
different twists and turns where you might be juggling motherhood or juggling something outside of work that means that you can't be head of studio and working crazy hours and, you know, doing that kind of role, that you can still impact change. And it doesn't mean that you won't eventually get there. It just might mean that there's a phase in your life where you are just accepting that this is your role, do the best you can, try and be as 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 effective as you can. And, you know, maybe when things are, you're ready and there's a role that's ready for you, um, you can sort of move into that role. So I think that's probably what I would like to say about that question. It's not a linear process, this career. Yeah. No, that's great. Of, of course, you would find a way to give good career advice by answering the question <laughs> about bad career advice. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, so last question from me. Um, so I, again, I hope this is more kind of a fun take on things, but I'm just curious if you won the lottery, how would you spend your time? And do you think you'd still have some sort of connection to the visual effects or animation industry? I absolutely know the answer to that question. So I would set up some kind of mentorship, careers, advice. I would basically be out there spending my whole time trying to help people navigate their careers with a specific focus on diversity if I had the if I won the lottery. But the, the good thing is is that I can do that in my day-to-day job as well. But if I had the time to be able to continue to do that, that's what I would do. As much as I'd like to say that I'd be sitting on a, you know, on a beach doing nothing, um, it's, you know, for people that know me, that's not something that I do very often because I get very bored very quickly. So I can't imagine not being involved in some way in the VFX and animation industry. And it would just be such a gift to be able to then really do things that often you can't do in your day to day to be able to help um, people navigate their careers and specifically help women with their careers. So that's what I would do. Amazing. Great questions. Great questions. Good to know. Good to know. So I'll keep a close ear to the ground for when you do win the lottery, Lara, and we'll get you (laughs) fully recruited onto the the Access VFX uh, mission uh, where you can do all of that and more. that's great. Great questions, Kathleen. I love the um, the worst career advice question for sure. And uh, I love the storytelling bit as well, because I you've mentioned, I would argue, two of my favorite shows in the last few years, which is Ted Lasso, which I just absolutely ate up. And uh, The Last of Us, being an avid gamer as well, that is my favorite game, both part one and part two. I'm actually playing the remastered part two at the moment. I can't get enough of it. They keep remastering. I'll keep playing them, but the uh, the the show is just incredible. Whether we worked on it or not, it's absolutely incredible storytelling. So uh, yeah, big big believer in that. And I'm quite interested to see what happens in 2024. And I, I shouldn't say this working at Frame Store, but there's not a lot of Marvel stuff happening because of the strikes. I think there's going to be obviously the the Deadpool movie, but I'm hoping that will create more room for the stories you mentioned earlier, Lara. You know, actually human stories, and because there's you know, something like Oppenheimer, for example, was, you know, a, a film that used to get made in the 90s in many ways, you know, like a complete dialogue driven movie. And, uh, yeah, I'm quite excited to see what happens this year. Obviously, fully supported by amazing visual effects. The thing about Oppenheimer, which, and I know that I'm digressing, is that my 16 year old uh, sat next to me in the in the theatre and did not take his eyes off the screen. Mm. And yeah. I think that's quite remarkable, really, that, you know, they, they were his, he and his mates were absolutely loved that film. 
And I think it's really exciting that a film that is so dialogue heavy and historical and quite hard in parts is, you know, had such appeal to a wide audience. Yeah. It's 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 very impressive. Yeah, and I think the the Barbenheimer was a big part of that. I think because people almost got caught up with that and you know went to see it where they otherwise may not have seen it and actually were quite surprised by how they were sucked in by a pretty scary story but a really well put together story I don't know anyway we're not here to talk about Oppenheimer but I just thought I just wanted to comment on that great answer you gave earlier and when people mentioned the word Ted Lasso I my my ears prick up um which I just absolutely adore that show I knew this would be my favourite episode, by the way. This has been brilliant. Like, uh, I don't say it on every episode, but this is officially my favourite episode. I had a feeling it would be when Kathleen came up with the idea. I think what you've shared with us on this episode, Lara, has been brilliant. And Kathleen as well. Both of your respective stories has been truly uh, a privilege for me. And uh, I mentioned this in our little break in the middle, that it's such a such a wonderful kind of privilege I get to have these conversations on the regular you know I get to have these uninterrupted conversations with incredible folk and thank you for giving giving us your time when I say us I mean the collective us all of our frame store listeners and beyond I think uh, there'll be a lot of people that will take a lot from this conversation so yes thank you so much for uh, coming on the frame store podcast Lara and Kathleen I've got one question to ask. It's a thing I'm doing this year. I mentioned it on the Launchpad episode where I asked the interns to tell me in one word, how would they describe their Launchpad experience? And Laura, I'm going to ask you, if you could describe your first 12 months as uh, as uh, head of studio in Melbourne, what would be the one word you'd describe it as? Well, it's my third month, so when I come back and uh, have a one-year sort of how did it go, I'll, I'll be interested to know if my word has changed, but I would probably say, it's a bit of a naff word, but I would probably say exhilarating. Good word. That's a strong word. Nothing naff about exhilarating. Good. What a place to end the episode on, Laura. Amazing. I had a feeling it would be the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, let's, I never know how to end podcasts. I've been doing this for over a year now and I never know how to end a podcast. So I'm just going to say thank you so much, Lara, for agreeing to come on the, the podcast, the Framestore podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, as co-host, Kathleen, I mean, I'll bring you back. Let's do, let's, let's co-host some more together. I think you've been fantastic. So uh, hats off to both of you. Um, have a great rest of your day in Texas, uh, Kathleen. Have a Great day ahead, Lara. I'm going to go to bed now because it's very late. I need my cup of cocoa and the bedtime story now. I'm I'm ready for uh, for sleepy time, but uh, not because of this conversation. Uh, It will take me a while to get to sleep after this. I feel very energised. So I'm just going to say thank you from the Framestore podcast and uh, have a great rest of your day both. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Kathleen. And that concludes this week's episode. A massive thank you to Lara and Kathleen for such a brilliantly inspiring discussion. And of course, a big shout out to Sam Sosnowski from the Global Training Team for the exceptional editing job once again. In just two weeks, we return with another inspiring conversation from our Global Framestore community. Until then, take care and thanks for listening.